Support Black Podcast, Beat Society. Now, an avenue that showcases producers and their creative works as an artist. Beat Society, the podcast. Since 2001, the original showcase dedicated to the fine art of beat making. Check out the Beat Society podcast, updating every Tuesday on BeatSociety.com and wherever you find podcasts. Get involved, get into it, and remember, support Black Podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Me Show Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to the year of 1997 to visit Rusty Kundif's rom-com called Sprung, starring Tisha Campbell, Rusty Kundif himself, as well as Paula J. Parker and Joe Torrey with cameos by John Witherspoon, mm. uh, Sherman Helmsley. Sherman Helmsley. Isabel Sanford. Clarence Williams III. Clarence Williams III. Oh, my goodness. It, it, the, 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 the fun doesn't stop with Sprung. Vince's <laughs> selection for this stop on the Me Show mission. But before we get into this film, as always, we like to take a moment to thank each and every one of you that writes us at MeShowMission at gmail.com. Likes and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at MeShowMission, as well as on Facebook. Reading from our emails, Vince, we got an email from Dan D. Hey, what's up, Dan? A.K.A. Dan the Mayor. I was about to say, is that the Mayor? That is the Mayor. All right. He said, of course, y'all would talk hip-hop without me. (laughs) I've been writing y'all in my head since last summer. (laughs) No worries. I'm not mad that y'all come to New York and forget the link with your boy. I'm not that famous yet, I guess. Fast forward to the house party episode as I write (laughs) y'all during the opening. Dan. Dan. <laughs> Dan is in his feelings. Uh, you know we love the mayor. <laughs> Rakim, Rakim and Nas are not the best ever. Oh, who they is? They are certified legends, but GOAT? Nah. Don't sleep on LL in the GOAT argument. Okay. Longevity. Hits. Yeah. Albums. He has the material for the argument. I can go on and on. I'll reserve my goat for when we talk. Hint, oh. he's perceived as problematic <laughs> nowadays. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his selection for the goat. Is LL. No, 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 no. Oh. He, he's saying don't sleep on the LL. Okay, who's because, his selection? But he's saying that he's going to reserve. Oh, so he's not telling saying us. Saying who is his goat until we meet up. 
in person. Okay. But he's saying as a hint that his person, letting us know that it's a he. Okay. Is perceived as problematic nowadays. Okay. Is he going to say like Kanye West? That's what I'm thinking. There's no way Dan Dinkins is going to say Kanye West. If he is, his hip-hop card will be revoked in person as well. Because Kanye West is... Also, he's just too old. Like, I've actually heard people make the Kanye argument, but there are always people that, like, were too young to remember Yo! MTV raps. Okay, so, and Dan's too old not right, to have right, that right. Me- memory. Like, he's old enough to know better. Yeah, you should know better. Yeah. We're yelling at him about something that he didn't say he was saying. I know. We have no <laughs> idea what he's, what he's talking about. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was talking about Eminem. Um, I, I, I doubt he's talking about Eminem. Anyway, he continues. So because y'all locked in on the Rudy Ray Moore movies already with Dorian. Yes. I propose to y'all we do your first twofer. Okay. And discuss CB4. And their previously mentioned Fear of a Black Hat. Two movies I used to have memorized front to back. Let's make this happen. Dumb Mayor. Dumb Mayor. Well, we've just gotten an order from the Dumb Mayor's office. Well, if the mayor has sent down a proclamation, I think we must. <laughs> Who are we? Who are we? <laughs> to deny Dumb Mayor. <laughs> yes. So I guess we will have to soon schedule a return trip yes. to New York. Yes, hopefully when it's a little warmer. Yes, even though I should say, and I, I want to take a moment on this on this recorded air to send a thank you to the mayor, as well as more than a few of my friends that uh, stopped by my, my home this past weekend. Um, we were doing like our estate sale of some of my mother's things mm-hmm. and we were selling off a, a ton of her records and more than a few of my friends including the mayor who came all the way from nyc left with crates of records nice they 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 scored big excellent actually in, in thinking about that um i believe it was either my friend alexa or my friend Duji, i can't remember which one who made away with uh, all of our James Ingram albums very oh, timely. How about James that? James Ingram passed away today. How, isn't that insane? He was only 66. I know, man. Yeah. I was talking, I was actually in the midst of a conference call when I learned about it, and I learned about it because the person on the conference call said, excuse me, I had to step away for a moment. James Ingram just died. Right, And right. I'm in my feelings. Yeah, yeah. And, and she was saying how she felt some kind of way. She felt it in her spirit because I think sometime last year they had done a special mm-hmm. for Quincy Jones. Right. And exactly. James Ingram was it, not there. And she that made her think, like, yo, somebody needs to go check right, on James. Right, someone needs to check on James Ingram. That's real. Yeah. That's real. And that's a real loss. It is. Yeah, that's a real loss. Oh, my God, man. I Man, look, man. 100 Ways, Just Once, I played that album Oh, God, stop. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So rest in peace to James Ingram. Yeah, rest in peace, brother. We also got uh, an email from Joe Lex. Hey, what's up, Joe? Who was a fan of ours from uh, Philly Cam, mm-hmm. Dr. Dr. Lex's groove. Uh, it actually comes after us on Saturdays on, on, on Philly Cam on WPPN 106.5 FM. He said, hey, somebody's doing your job for you. 
he pointed us to a New York Times article titled, Why Do the Oscars Keep Falling for Racial Reconciliation Fantasies? Mm. In many Oscar bait movies, interracial friendships come with a paycheck and allow the white character's journey to enlightenment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, he's, he's, the first thing out the back. The first lines in this article is driving Miss Daisy. I mean, you know, bottom line is the average Oscar voter, even after the injection of, of literal color the past couple of years, I think the average age is still in the early 60s. Yeah. And it's the average demographic is white men. So it's old white guys. Old white guys love that stuff. So, you know, this actually is not a Hardy Boy mystery at all. <laughs> it's not. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, it's interesting. You know, Green Book is the movie that's kind of like brought all of this thing into perspective. Right. Again. Uh, again. Right. Because we have this conversation, I think, every three years. Every three years. Maybe even every two years. Right. But what I didn't know. I guess I didn't notice in looking at the credits is that Octavia Spencer, the actress Octavia Spencer, was a producer on Green Book. I did not know that. I did not know that as well. Um, we had a, a, I believe Rod, Robert Monroe posted to our Facebook group an article from Shadow and Act talking about how Octavia Spencer, who is working on a limited series for Netflix. Yeah. Which will document the life story of Madam C.J. Walker, America's yeah. first black self-made millionaire. That's right. A very uh, uh, revolutionary hair care mogul yes. from the early, the late 19th century and the early 20th century. The article um, references a panel at Sundance Film Festival where Octavia Spencer revealed that LeBron James, who Spring Hill Entertainment is actually um, producing the, the series right. on Netflix, uh, interceded on her behalf so that she could have you know, uh, appropriate pay. That's right. For That's right. Uh, she says that I have to say that when I was negotiating my deal for Madam CJ, LeBron James had to intervene, so we need all our male counterparts to be in the fight with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. That and is kudos cool. to LeBron James. And she also mentioned that Jessica Chastain, her co-star in the 2011 film The Help, helped Spencer secure a salary five times her original asking amount. Chastain and Spencer are set to reunite on an untitled holiday comedy film. Yeah, I, I saw that Jessica Chastain really stepped up, mm -hmm. and, and you know, kudos to her as well. Yeah, it, it, it's um, so that's a, that's a cool story. The mo the more you hear and see of speaking of, uh, specifically about LeBron James, yeah, and the way that he is not only just managing his career right in basketball. To the extent that he basically is an industry upon himself, absolutely to himself within the game, and the the without being an owner, the owners 
kind of have to bend to his will. Exactly. And his whim. Um, but then watching the way that he has managed his career outside of basketball. He and his team. He and his team, which is established from his friends. I from was about to say his childhood friends. Lifting them up with Absolutely. him. They have gone on to create a clutch management, yeah. uh, which is his agent and agent for some of the most prestigious Absolutely. stars. Uh, he's gotten into podcasts, he's gotten into TV, TV series movies, documentaries, um, all while still making uh, his voice be heard and vital out in in very um, social social justice spaces. Oh, yeah. As well as political spaces. Um, there is a lot. There is a lot to be very proud of the way that he he is maneuvered his career well you know what he has made of himself everyone knows i'm not sporty at all right but i have a lot of respect and admiration for just what you said how lebron james moves Mm -hmm. and i think as someone who is not really deep in the sports culture like from the outside looking in Mm i am fascinated by the people who get angry at LeBron James and the reasons they get angry at him. You you can't help but feel... And I'm confused by why more athletes don't move like he moves. I think some of them are are trying to. Well, I I hope so, because when you look at the, the relationships between the owners and the players, I only see one group of people who actually have the talent. Really? I mean, the owners don't bounce or throw balls; they just own things. It's right there in the in the title. They own, amen. But they don't have the talent. So, speaking about going back to our house party episode, all right, Damon Williams. That's hey, my brother. I know that guy. Yeah, he said house party makes the list of movies that I that if I'm flipping channels and I see it, I'm not turning. That's a very special list. Uh, Jay Webb gave us kudos, saying What's that up, it Jay? was a, a dope episode thank you markham lee what's had a up lot markham? To say about our house party episode all right number one number one nos ain't touching black thought maybe on some alternate earth but not this one i disagree but it's an argument i love to have and to sit and just listen to stuff which referencing my brother he and i had uh, have actually been at war for over two decades about who's the better hip hop group, the roots or outcast. Mm. And we would just, and we just sit and play roots and outcast albums. And you know who wins the argument? Both of us, <laughs> because we sit and listen to the roots and outcast. There is only one answer to that. I mean, I'm the roots. I'm, I'm the roots guy. It is the roots, right? But, but we, the roots are a group. We have been battling about outcast versus the roots for Decades. Number two from number two. Any score of Nas as an MC should automatically have eight percent of the voice of the points knocked off because for co-writing belly. (laughs) No, we're not going to do that because you know the (laughs) latter half of his arc. Let's go to Africa, T. And mine elevation shorty was written (laughs) by him. That's not fair. Yeah. Man makes a good point. I like to cut a mark on uh, Jim. 
Number three. Number three. Kid and Play are the battle rappers, but their rhymes are were mostly written by a third party? Yes. How does that work? How do, well, it's almost like they were corny battle rappers, but Herbie figured that he could polish them into good performers. I think I think you just explained I how think it worked. You just explained how that worked. <laughs> That's exactly how it worked. Well, that goes against the grain of what a battle rapper <laughs> yes, yes, is. Yes, yes it though. does. Yes it does. Number 4. Number 4. I share Len's hatred of play. Oh. He, very strange. <laughs> this is a very strange, very specific type of hate. He's that dude you graduate high school with and avoid when you come come home on break, lest you get brought into some foolishness. That I like that guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you just described my favorite kind of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Number five. Number five. Totally missed the social dynamics you mentioned when I first saw it. We'll have to rewatch it. I will say that it felt familiar when I first saw it. Robin Harris' character could have been one of my uncles or one of their friends. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very true. George Cremona also said he checked. Hey, what's up, George? I- IMDb and the characters that John Witherspoon and BB Drake play have different names for the two movies house party and boomerang conspiracy debunked it wasn't conspiracy george george, george can, can i mean can we have our joy yeah yeah i tell you think, you're thinking a little bit too much there george with their logic i know i know in research i know bougie square society hey what's up cuz after hearing the hip-hop discussion on the house party ep- episode name three songs that make that made you Love hip hop. Oh. His three okay. are Eric B and Rakim. Eric B is president. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually gonna be on my list. Number two, Big Daddy Kane's Raw. That's that's another really good one. And number three, My Philosophy by Boogie Down Productions. That's that's a really good list to break you in. Yeah, that that, that that's ooh. you name three off the top of your head? I don't know if I can name three. Vincent Slaughter said, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Now, you know we got to do these three songs. I'm going to do them. You got to do them now. Oh, you, you went to Vincent the Slaughter. Other oh, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm reading the other people that because that, people posted. Okay, right. okay. Yeah, right, right, right. All right, so Vincent Slaughter. Hey, what's up, Vincent? He shout out uh, My Melody by Eric B. and Rakim. That's a good one. The Bridge is Over by BDP. That's a That's a really good one. And The Message by Grandmaster Flash. That's a good one. Brandon Payton. Hey, what's up, Brandon? Ironically, for me, it was Parents Just Don't Understand by, by The Fresh Prince. That's that's actually a good... You know, I've argued for years that The Fresh Prince is a really solid MC and a good storyteller. Oh, he's a great storyteller. Yeah, so Parents yeah. Just Don't Understand, I, that's, that's a solid choice. I'm That Type of Guy by LL Cool J. Okay. okay. I, I can go... I can, yeah, I, I go to other things. In it. Right, right, right. L was going to be on my list, though. Ain't going to hurt nobody. Kid <laughs> and play. It's a catchy song. Mm, okay. And Brandon showing this. I don't know about Brandon. Um, regarding that question, he said that was probably the song, the song group that made my playlist tape deck switch over from being Michael Jackson dominant to mostly hip-hop and rap music. Uh, and the song he's re- referencing is 
his honorable mention, which was Jump by Crisscross. <laughs> okay. Okay. Azor Risbrook said, Special Ed, I got it, it made. Azor. Okay, that's a good one. Paper Thin by MC Light. That's, that's my wife's cut. That's my wife's cut. Yeah. Oh, my wife loves MC Light. I love me some Light, too. Uh, and uh, Sucker MCs by Run DMC. That's a good one. And Raphael McNeil. Hey, what's up, Raphael? Show some love for Eric B and Rakim. I ain't no joke. Yeah, oh, yeah. EPMDs, you're a customer. Okay. And, oh, boy, how about this for a deep cut, Vince? Art of Noise, Beatbox. Okay. All right. That is a deep cut. Jay Webb. I think Jay Webb is pulling our chain on this one. Hey, what's up, Jay? He says, all you can eat by the fat man. (laughs) (laughs) All you can eat. (laughs) Jock Box by the Skinny Boys. And bring the beat back by Steady B. Okay, all right. So that that's his three. Okay, so my three, my three would be Raw Big that's Daddy a good Kane. One. That's a good one. I love me some Big Daddy Kane. Um, I guys Raw by Big Daddy Kane, and then I'm going to say what made me love hip hop. Wow, Raw by Big Daddy Kane. You know, I I I just lo- I just love this song. It's not a great song, but I love it. Um, um, I think it's I think it's Run's House by Run DMC. That's a good one. The one that he that when they do it live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's when they good. Do it live, because that was the first time I heard somebody curse on a rap. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. I can't believe it. Like, oh. And so, Raw Run's House, and then. You know, you know what song I really do love? Um, Moni in the middle. Where's she at? In the middle. <laughs> That's a good one. That that I, I love myself some Moni Love. Yeah, yeah. I, love Moni love. I, I I had a huge crush on Moni Love. Yeah, yeah. So that would be it. I was not a rap guy. Like my brother was the rap fan. In I know because your brother actually gave us three. You want to yeah, hear his? Yeah, story? yeah. I, I could probably guess them, but go ahead. Let's see what you guess. What you guess? I'm not going to guess them. Okay. He says, I want to say the message, but I remember waiting in the car for Beat Street uh, from them to come on the radio a little more. Then I'd like to say Run DMC's it, It's Like That. And then by the time I got the Got to P.E.'s, don't believe the hype. I remember that thinking, I'm all in with this rapidy rap stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God, he's your brother. Oh, yeah. The rapidy rap Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah. Uh, Jack the Ripper by L.O. Cool J is probably mm-hmm. the first thing that mm-hmm. I heard that I King said. Hercules. I said, whoa. Yeah. Eric B. is president. Okay. Is the first thing I heard where I said, this, this is actually poetry. Got you. That's a good one. And but but when I was all in, mm-hmm. potholes in my lawn, de la really? soul, potholes in my lawn. My my guy lived on my floor. Sean Gale, shout out to Sean Gale, handed me a a, a twelve inch mm-hmm. with these new dudes from Long Island. Wow, potholes in my lawn, and I was all in. That is a hot track. I was all in. I said, hip-hop is for me. 
And then Tribe came out later that year, and then that was ball game. Yeah, People's Instinctive Travels and Passive Rhythm. I've said this changed my life. So, yeah, so. That was a hot one. Oh, yeah. Potholes in my lawn. That's a good one. Potholes in my lawn. That is definitely a good one, man. Uh, Let's see. I wonder if you knew about this, Vince. Robert Monroe posted on here. Hey, what's up, Robert? A a story about a documentary that's going to be uh, airing, uh, coming to PBS. Mr. Soul celebrates the groundbreaking PBS series Soul, a weekly television show that aired from 1968 to 1973, celebrating black American culture, art, life, and community. Yeah. I've heard. What, what do I know? Do I know about the documentary? Or do I know about Soul? Do you know about this show? I don't remember that. Show. I have seen clips of Soul. Really? I thought we talked about Soul when we when we talked about the Don Cheadle movie. Talk to me. Maybe we did because that's mention. all in that same moment, like like that sort of mid seventies. I mean, in this case, late sixties, early seventies, but that kind of early mid seventies. PBS programming mm. where you got some really really funky stuff. So I've seen clips of Soul. Oh, so the, but I'm looking forward to this documentary. Yeah, the documentary it had a premiere on the 25th, just as uh, past Friday. Yeah, at Scribe Video Center, um, and I think it soon. Oh, will I'm be, sorry, I missed that. Soon will be distributed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I missed it too. Soul. Launched in 1968 as a local New York bro- broadcast, the series rolled out a year later nationwide on WNET, PBS station. By 1973, the uh, the host and producer, Ellis Hazlip, had produced over 130 hour-long shows featuring a dazzling array of A-list guests featuring rare live performances and interviews from the likes of Al Green, Muhammad Ali, Sidney Poitier, Cicely Tyson, James Baldwin, Nikki Giovanni, Ossie Davis and Ruby D, Sonia Sanchez, The Last Poets, Louis Farrakhan, Toni Morrison, Kathleen Cleaver, mm. Stokely Carmichael, Betty Shabazz, Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight. Oh my goodness, you are still reading. I know, man. I, and, I, and I skipped over Ashford and Simpson and Sidney Poitier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I'm hoping that the documentary maybe raises the profile of the show and they package the show. If you want to check out the show, actually, uh, shout the, if you download the app Shout Factory, they actually have a few of the episodes streaming on there. Well, thank you for that. Uh, thank you, Sticks Downey, for that heads up on. Yeah, on that good looking TV. out. Yeah, hey, real cool, real cool. And uh, I know you're a fan of the Criterion Collection, Vince. Yes, sir. And uh, you know your movie, so yes, to sleep I, with anger. I know. Uh, between to sleep with anger and um, in the heat of the night, which is coming out in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. I am. I am. I'm not going to say happy with Criterion, but but me and Criterion are are on pretty good terms right now. Uh, are you feeling good now? Yeah, we're on pretty good terms. Okay. We could be on better terms. But I'm we're, sure you could. But we're we're on okay terms right now. I'm happy about both of these. And we've got a little bit of news uh, for you, ladies and gentlemen. But we are going to ask you if you would please keep this. Just between us, because the Michelle mission, along with the Black Tribbles, Black Sci-Fi, and, and Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, is sponsoring a screening of 
Jordan Peele's Us. That's right. Jordan Peele's I Got Five On It. Psychological thriller Us. We're going to be featuring a screening here in Philadelphia on Saturday, March 23rd at 10 a.m. You can find the link in our Facebook group, Misho Mission. We'll also put a link out there to where you can get more information about tickets on our Twitter as well. Hopefully you can come out yeah, and join us. Come out have on fun. Sale now to watch us, uh, join us to watch us, Vince. And uh, and I will be sitting in on a panel discussion. Yes, yes. Before the film, so it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I promise this to be a good time. All right, I think. Um, oh, and real quick, one last piece of business, ladies okay. and gentlemen, for all of you that you know, you know that me and Vince, we are huge fans and of Star Trek. Yes. So much so, so much so that we started a separate show called the Spock Adjacent. That it was available on iTunes as a separate stream, and it's available on Twitter as a, 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 with his own separate account. Uh, well, Star Trek Discovery has returned for its second season. Yes, it they has their second episode, and with that, Spock Adjacent will be returning. We're going to be re- reviewing the first two episodes. And we plan to try and keep it maybe weekly reviews. We may skip a week and do two in a row, but we're going to try and do weekly reviews of of Star Trek Discovery. However, due to our workload, (laughs) Vince and I have decided that we can't maintain two separate podcasts and two separate podcast streams. Insane. It is insane. I mean, Vince is talking about having original blogs premiering on, on the on the website in February, and we've got a couple of other things coming your way. We've got we've got um, we we've got we've got a bunch of stuff planned that we we've got to do. So we can't do two separate shows and create a whole separate identity. So Spock adjacent, while it will be continuing, will be returning to home to the Me Show Mission. Uh, stream that you have subscribed to. So if you are a fan of Spock Adjacent and you're wondering where when where is it, no well, just look at the stream. It's there and this will once again be the home of Spock Adjacent. All right. Okay? So we hope that you fans who, who missionaries who are not Star Trek fans will just indulge us this little bit hey check out spock adjacent you may we may turn you into a star trek fan you know and and if not trust me me and vince spock adjacent is very loose (laughs) somehow no not us somehow i find i see comics and hip-hop in the future of spock adjacent as well so check us out we'll be having fun over there as well and hey it's on the same stream you might as well listen to it and you know Something else to listen to. More Vince is always a good thing. Ah, right. I've learned that. All right. And with that, I guess we've stalled long enough. It is time yes. for us to turn our attention to this week's movie, which is Sprung. Sprung. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. 
problem is, you never learn the art of meticulous grooming. Real black is back. The Player's Guide to Love in the 90s. Think of this as one of the colors of, like, the true African warriors. Like Shaka Zulu. Get a smooth game. It ain't that fine, but I can work with that. Damn! Don't leave so fast. At least let me offer you a ride home on my Porsche. Adina! Hey, you wanna take a walk? Doesn't red mean stop? Work that out. Get a little something. Nothing here, nothing here. You did it again. You just take me home right now. What's the big deal? With well, such a skis, I wouldn't play your trifling. Trifling! Trifling! Get away fast. <laughs> Come Get on. off the car! You don't know where you live. G-string too tight. Never get played. Give me her. That scandalous-looking hoochie filed a complaint. There's a woman coming down to identify the suspect. Why? I think he got more game than Parker, brother. But I, I ain't like, like that. that. And whatever you do... You can't be serious about that sorry excuse for a man. Don't get sprung. No, no, no! Now, these two have it bad for each other. If they hook up long-term, then that means we'll be seeing a lot of each other. And I can't abide by that. And their best friends are out to show them... We got to do something just how bad it is. Do you really know this man? I'm gonna tell you about this sucker I knew. Babies just spread all across the country. You never know if she's got that middle-aged fat chain. Wives. Got any babies? No. Wives? No. Fat moms? Booger bear in the family tree? Definitely not. We're gonna have to take the gloves off now. I'm talking about some low-down, nasty, diabolical... Mouse is eating the cheese. Brandy. You two are so low down. Downright ignorant somebody. We know that. From Trimark Pictures. He was doing something to himself. This spring. Make yourself feel good like you're doing something to yourself. Get sprung. Do it in my bag. I'll get them a four to help you. Sprung. A 1997 comedy film written and directed by Rusty Candif, also co-written by Darren Scott. Starring Tisha Campbell, Joe Torrey, Paula J. Parker, as well as Rusty Kandif. It's also a star in this film. This movie is set in 1990s Pittsburgh where Montel and Clyde, Rusty and Joe, are friends who could not be less alike. An introverted photographer, a guy that works at a fast food restaurant. At a party, they meet Adina played by Paula J. Parker, a sexy gold digger seeking a wealthy husband with robotic determination, and her shy law clerk, law clerk friend Brandy, played by Tisha Campbell. The couples pair off in predictable combinations, but while the brief encounter between Clyde and Adina quickly implodes, the relationship between Montel and Brandy blooms into a true romance. Thus, we're off and running with Sprung Vince's selection for this stop on the Me Show mission. Vince, what say you of Sprung? Well, before I say anything, I'm I'm curious. I didn't know it was supposed to be set in Pittsburgh. Did you pick that up from the film or, or did you read that? I read it. I, I didn't pick that up from the film. Well, that's that's just another data point. That's just another data point that I have for, for this film. Sprung Sprung is a deeply flawed film. Like, it is a deeply, deeply flawed film. I think, those are the words we're going with? Deeply flawed? I mean, I think if you say Sprung is a bad film, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. Okay. But I think it is a much more 
useful conversation if you look at it as a, a flawed, flawed film. film. Gotcha. Because I understand the instinct. Mm-hmm. You know, I absolutely understand where Rusty Kandif is coming from and what he was trying to do. And I think when you look at his work, because this is his third film. Mm-hmm. You know, he's at this point, he's directed Tales in the Hood, which is a film that we enjoyed a great deal. Mm-hmm. He directed Fear of a Black Hat, which we haven't talked about, at, you know, formally, but we've referenced it several times. In fact, we, we talked about it just during the letters when, when Dan was was talking about um, spoofs where, where, you know, in, in my mind, there are two great hip hop satires mm-hmm. there's fear of a black hat which is rusty Kandif's film and cb4 and i i'm not really comfortable saying that fear of a black hat is better than cb4 right now frankly because i just don't remember them as right. much right but i feel like i enjoyed it more than cb4 if i remember correctly so i don't think rusty Kandif is someone who is without talent. Right. You know, I think he's a good director. And I think because I believe he wrote at least part of of Tales from the Hood and um Fear of a Black Hat, mm-hmm. I think he's a pretty good writer. Mm-hmm. I also think 1997 was this moment where a lot of the culture was going through gangster movie fatigue, if you will. And and there was this sense in the air that we wanted something different. Yeah. There's we, even a commentary on it in the movie. Well, I mean, it's 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 I can't even call it on the nose. I, I mean it's like you right. drop an anvil on it. It's it's on <laughs> but again I understand in nineteen ninety seven why he would want to make this film. In fact, not only do I understand it, but but another director and filmmaker understood it so much that this film comes out in May. Two months before this, Love Jones comes out. Which, wow. it, 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 exactly. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. I think when when I talk about the flaws of this film... You, you have to start with the tone. You, you, you have to start with the tone. I, again, I think Kondiev is a good director, but I think he is a director that deals very well with farce, mm-hmm. deals very well with satire. Like he has this really biting edge to him that, that, uh, that, that works very well in the two previous films. Mm-hmm. But in this film, you get the sense that, you know, this love story between Kondiev's character and Tisha Campbell's character, he really wants to be earnest. Yes. And kind of present this earnest love story. Yep. But it, you can see he's almost fighting with his own instincts, mm-hmm. where I, I want to present this almost traditional rom-com with the will they want, won't they, boy meets girl you know, boy falls in love with girl, they break up, they come back together. But then you have all of this other stuff like 
like, you know, Paula J. Parker, when she looks at men, their heads, you, you know, turn into dog heads. And, yeah. you know, she has this X-ray vision where she can tell how much a man makes. Joe Torrey is, you know, has X-ray vision to see women in their underwear. You talked about it. There's this ridiculous scene with with Sherman Helmsley and and Isabel Sanford or, you know, they're they're both doing this war, the sexes deal. But it's amazingly distracting because it's the Jeffersons. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like if he had leaned into it and made it more of a straightforward satire made it more of a farce, Mm -hmm. we may have come up with something a little different. I think his earnestness also gets in the way of the script. It's a bad script. Oh, boy. It's a bad script. I mean, this is one of those scripts where where you get these, you know, these speeches, Mm -hmm. and and it's not really dialogue. Right. It's, It's just the writer that has these pieces that he wants to come out of people's mouths. Yeah. And it, it's just awkward and stilted, and no one is really, no one really comes off that well as an actor in this film. Yeah, I know. Rusty Kondioff is, is, is not a leading man. New, you you know, like he cannot carry. I mean, mean, you know, we kind of joked a a couple of months ago where you were mixing him up with Christopher Sherrard from Half from Half Plenty, but there's a lot of similarity here, where where you have someone who has positioned himself as someone that he believes the audience will believe Mm -hmm. as a leading man, Mm -hmm. and it's just not there. Not like like he doesn't have the presence. He doesn't have the charm. He and Tisha Campbell don't have any chemistry. There's, there's no chemistry in this movie. Well, at all. You, you know, I th- I think of the four leads, Tisha Campbell. We've talked about before. I think Tisha Campbell is amazingly talented. Yes. Frankly, I was thinking as I was watching this today because I, I was just getting very frustrated. I don't know if a film has ever really done justice to Tisha Campbell. No. Frankly. No. And the vast majority of television has not. I was thinking, you know, because I really was thinking, well, what is my favorite Tisha Campbell performance? Mm-hmm. Tisha Campbell is on like two or three episodes of Everybody Hates Chris. Okay. And I love her on there. She's on a couple of episodes of the first season, the first couple of seasons of The Real Husbands of oh, Hollywood, Hollywood, which, you, you know, it's kind of awkward to talk about because she and Dwayne Martin are going are having this very contentious divorce right yeah, now. Man. But it's almost like these directors or these creators want to put her in this leading woman love interest role mm-hmm. and it handcuffs her. When she's really at her best, when she can be screwball, when she can have all of these different colors, where she can have pratfalls and jokes and all these things. Paula J. Parker, another one. I'm a fan of Paula J. Parker, but she's another one that I don't think has ever really gotten the roles. Okay. You know, you see hints of Paula J. Parker. Mm. You you know, even in this, even as like, in in my mind, the, the best scene 
in this film, Paul J. Parker and Joe Torrey's characters, they fall out. Joe Torrey's character gets arrested and Paul J. Parker comes to the police station after she's been this vamp mm-hmm. for a half hour and she's affecting this schoolgirl act. And it's legitimately funny as she kind of puts on and, and tortures him as he, you know, has to be in this lineup. But it doesn't do her that well. Joe Torrey? I've never understood Joe Torrey. Yeah. I've never understood Joe Torrey or his career or his comedy. Like, he's just one of these actors that he was everywhere Mm -hmm. during this time. Like, like this sort of... This this was his moment. Right, right. Like, this, the early to mid-90s, Joe Torrey was everywhere. Yep. And I never understood it. Nope. And after watching him in in Sprung, I still don't understand Joe Torrey at all. Nope. Again, I understand the instinct. I think I think this is I, I'm gonna say it's a misfire because again, I think I think there is talent here. Yeah. But it just it just doesn't it just mix. Misfire. It doesn't mix, and you could. I sense, I sense that, you know, Rusty is of like mind with us, seeing Tisha Campbell and a bunch of things, and like, boom, I'm going to cast her in this in this role, and she's going to be the lead because she's the lead. Mm-hmm. She's the she. Uh, it's her name that's first in the credits. And I'm going to provide her opportunities while she is the love interest. I'm going to provide her opportunities to fully showcase her her skills, her her comedic skills. Because she does do pratfalls in here. She does make the funny faces and stuff. She does do slow burns and everything like that. But because there is no chemistry between her and Rusty Cundiff, and there's no real chemistry between her and Paula J. Parker either mm. as friends. What happens is that what you see on the screen is Tisha Campbell trying, mm. working overtime to make something happen, to, 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 to make the scenes that she's in pop. And because with Paula J. Parker, there's no chemistry, but they're both trying, but they're both working at opposite ends, and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And with Rusty Kendeef, she's just got she's just got a blank scarecrow right there, yeah. who's giving her nothing. That's where the the gross misfire really happens in this film, and to me, that really is a shame because. All along, the one thing we've been talking about, Tisha Campbell is is just that one role away from Hollywood being able to see her. In an independent film like this, if she's given just a little bit more yeah. to work with, this could have been it. She's the star. The, 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 the movie ends on her. She's the last person you see on the in the film. Yeah. You know? Um, but it... But it, it it just doesn't work. Rusty lets her down. The script lets her down. The actors let her down. Everything, everything about the the film 
lets her down and and in doing so she therefore is kind of a letdown as well because you see her trying that makes for on her part not the best performance right because you don't want to see the performance right and you're seeing it and that was really the biggest dis- disappointment to me um you know rusty Kandif, i felt like like you you know you want some of that bite from fear of a black hat but i understand that that's not what he's going for in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's going for something else. The problem is he's not sure of what he's going for. Right. There's parts of the op- of the first 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes of this film that don't really work, but he's trying something. He's got the animation in there, you know, looking in the mirror and seeing a, a lollipop. Mm-hmm. You got the birds tweeting around his head. You got, you know, um, there's something about the them at the party and kind of the juxtaposition between the two couples and how they, uh, uh, the couple of friends and how they're viewing everybody at the party mm-hmm. and then how they're viewing each other. It doesn't really work, but that's a vehicle for maybe making something happen. Um, but unfortunately, you you leave that. And then there's, you know, the stupid set piece with Joe Torre on the top of the car that made no sense. Yeah. In this in this movie, um, you know, uh, John Witherspoon, again, being John Witherspoon. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. In yeah. a scene that at one point is kind of funny. But then it just goes on. Uh, it's too long. And the yeah, joke just true. keeps repeating itself. Yeah. And you're talking about Paula J. Parker in that scene. I actually thought she was horrible in that scene. Oh. I did not, I did not find her funny. And I think that maybe is because the scene goes on so long, her act just wore thin. Mm-hmm. You're just w- wanting her to just get to the Joe Torre part. You know, but you got to go through five guys in this right. lineup and this thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Are you serious with this? Yeah. Um, The best part of this moment of this movie is there's a, a a little piece right in the middle where uh Montel, Rusty Gundeef's character and Brandy, Tisha Campbell's character, he meets her at work and then they go on their quote unquote first date. Right. Basically a walk a day in the park. And and it's a day that turns into a night in the park. That really is kind of like the best moment and i say it it's a great moment right because again there's zero chemistry between them right but there is in in that in there is a little bit more natural dialogue there's a little bit more naturalness to it you know it's still a little bit overwritten but it's still yeah it it just plays a little better and i think that's what distracted me because this conversation doesn't sound like a conversation it doesn't. Yeah, it that doesn't. two human beings would have with one another. I agree. I agree so. with that. Um, but other than that, I mean, whew, this is, I, I was looking this up and on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's very t- telling that this film, we don't usually go to Rotten Tomatoes scores, but I was like flabbergasted. This movie not only has 22% rating right. on Rotten Tomatoes, but on Rotten Tomatoes, there are zero critic reviews. Well, it's a fascinating case. You, you know, like, you know, you called me out a year ago about this. Like, I talk about everything around it. Mm-hmm. If, 
it's so fascinating about Sprinkle. Well, I think it, it, it holds this really fascinating place in the culture. Where even when you look on where where you looked on our Instagram where people kind of, oh, I can't wait to hear about this or mm. oh, this movie is terrible. This is a film that people know about. Yeah. But it didn't have a lot of advertising. No. I don't know how long it played in the movies. Not long. I know I didn't see it in the Not movies long. when I first saw it. Not long. But somehow it has kind of penetrated to a certain extent where people know about it. You know why? I don't know why. I'll tell you why. And you just you 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 uh, uh pointed to it a little bit earlier. Like you said, this movie comes out what? 2 months? 2 months after, after Love, Love Jones. People Love were just Jones? looking for another they're looking for another, they're just another looking great for romance. Another, they're just looking for a romance. And when you look at Love Jones, just look just look at the 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 setting and the world in which Love Jones lives. Well, and then look at this world. It's like a, 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 another time. Well, it it feels a, again. There's no authenticity to this. Mm-mm. So so when you said, "Oh, it was in Pittsburgh," I really did think that this was, you know, was filmed somewhere on 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 the back lot in 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 Hollywood, in Hollywood right. where you know West Hollywood where you know you just found somewhere like it's a very it, it has a very low budget feel to it i mean the parties and like it doesn't feel it doesn't have a real sense of place not at all where when you watch love jones and the more you watch love jones the more it rewards you mm-hmm. love jones feels like chicago yes and there are so many, you know, even, you know, talking about the dance scenes where where the, you, you know, the couple go and they dance. But it's very much a Chicago stepping mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. as opposed to Sprung, where they go and, you know, and they find a, a, a place where it's a bunch of old people dancing. Yeah, they just happen upon this this old people dancing. But again, the there's park. no specificity to it. And, None at all. And in my mind. It's a real missed opportunity because Pittsburgh is an actual city. Yes, with, you, a, you, with you, a very, a very, a very distinctive, distinctive feel, feel and, and energy. look and energy. Yep. And black people from Pittsburgh are very specific. Like it's a very specific place yes. that if he had yes. tapped into just that, yes, could have made a world of different. Like yes. there's nothing about these four people that says. They're from Pittsburgh. No. Or they live in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's really another reflection of this film and, and Kondiaf's sort of um, approach to it. Yeah. Where he wanted to make this love story, but he didn't really get he, – he, what I wrote in my notes is that he wanted to make – the love story, but he didn't want to make a love story. Mm. And I think the specificity would have gone a long way to making it something, frankly, better. I'm not sure if he wanted to make a love story, if he wanted to make a, 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 a 1960s, 1970s sex romp, because there's a lot of sex in this movie, um, and it's not pleasant <laughs> at all. Um, to You know, um, it, it, 
let's just put it there. It is not. There is not. There is nothing beautiful about these love scenes. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. This film. Even the even the one scene that it's supposed to be a beautiful love scene is like, ugh. Yeah, it's cringe. Yeah, it's cringeworthy on it. Man. Well, well, again, there's no chemistry Mm-mm. between these people. Like none of them actually seem like even even. <laughs> to reference the house party scene because something that was so confusing to me like I didn't understand this whole notion of Joe Torrey's character being so adamant about breaking him up with yeah. his girlfriend so then I went right to well maybe Joe Torrey is in love with him but there's not even any homoerotic subtext you know at this point I'm really just looking for something interesting <laughs> It's the bow-legged Lou theory. It's the bow-legged Lou read. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe Joe Torrey is trying to break them up because he wants to be with them. He was feeling some kind of way. Right, like I've been a man for my whole life, and I have male friends, and I remember, you know, you go through periods where one of y'all has a girlfriend and the other That's one true. doesn't, That's and you true. know, and it is a little annoying sometimes when you know you can't come out and or 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 they can't come out until you know everyone kind of syncs up. That's true. But, like I have never ever said we must break him up from his girlfriend so that he can come and eat hot wings with us. It's like this. Quick aside, there's got to be more going on than this. Quick aside, when I was rolled with a bunch of boys, we used to play like basketball right. every week. And one day we were on our way to, to run ball, and my man said, Oh, you know, the ball ain't got no air. I'm going to stop at my spot and get my air pen. So it's like, you know, Come on and get something to drink. And we all went in, in my man's spot while he looked for his air pen. And all of a sudden, my one boy locks the door. And they stand around me like, yo, dog, sit down. I'm like, yo, what's going on? What's on? They wanted to pull an intervention (laughs) because I wasn't rolling with them as much anymore because I wasn't seeing somebody. That's strange. They were feeling some type of way. That is strange. And these friends maybe were in love with you. (laughs) Well, one of them's still my best friend. All right, but it, it was very, it was very weird. Does d- 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 does Twana have to watch him? No, <laughs> no, no. I want to read this it, this review because this kind of speaks a little bit. I, I think this is what me and you are saying. Okay, this is a review from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, there was no critic reviews, but an aud- uh, audience member, a person who watched the film. I just say the person's first name, Jesse. Reviewed this film. He gave it two and a half stars. Okay. And he thought, he said, I thought this film could have been worse. Yes. (laughs) It had some incredibly lame moments, but it was quite an average film, though I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) I chuckled during some moments, but there aren't that many laughs in the film. Despite it all, I enjoyed watching it. Not in the sense that I liked the film. Okay. But in the sense that I felt like I hadn't wasted a hundred minutes of my time after I was done watching it. At least this film doesn't pretend to be good. It knows its place, and that's respectable. And that's respectable. <laughs> I 
read that review. <laughs> there you go. All on the floor. He just said that this film is the equivalent of the toast that they put <laughs> on your plate when you go to a diner. Uh, you know, some, some diners ask you what type of bread would you want, but then some diners just bring it out and it's toast. Yes. It's like, well, that is indeed toast. <laughs> Out on the floor. You know, it's it's worth saying as as we talk about our second Tisha Campbell film in a couple of weeks. There is the unfortunate optics mm. of of the two light skinned blacks are the mm. are, are the good ones, mm. and, the, and the two brown or black people are the ones who are you know conniving. And although I must say, the ending did not satisfy me. But I, after my expectations were so low throughout the film, when it got to who was actually getting married, I said, okay, Sprung, I'll give you that point. I want to give them that point. But you called it? But one, I was calling it, I, but I was hoping that it wouldn't be it because it makes no sense. Because, you know, spoiler alert for a 30-year-old movie. A 30-year-old not that good movie. Exactly. So consider consider this, you know, a present to you. I'm sparing you. In the beginning of the film, you see that apparently Montel is he's running late for a wedding. Yes. A wedding at which he almost goes into a room where Tisha Campbell and a bunch of girls are getting dressed. And Tisha Campbell looks at him and says, oh, my God, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to see. I think she says either like see me or right. or, or be looking here this right. way or whatever. And he goes running off, which is your hint that, oh, he's not supposed to see the bride. Right. Before the wedding. Because he has on his tux. And- he has on his tux. Yes. And then he runs to a room where there's all the guys there, including Joe Torrey. And Joe Torrey is like, you know, they're helping him with the tie. And he's like, yo, man, you got the ring. He's like, and Joe Torrey goes searching for the ring. He's like, oh, my God, I must have left him in the car. They go breaking off. And then it cuts to flashback six months later. Right. The film comes to, goes through all the Michigas to get to the end at which we return to the wedding. And you see Rusty Candive standing at the end of the altar with a bride coming down. And the bride turns out to be Adina. Ah, Paula, Paula J. J. Parker. Ha-ha! Who walks past uh, Montel, Rusty Candive, at which point Joe Torrey comes out from the side. And you see that there it's those two that are actually getting married. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Two things. One. If Joe Torrey was actually getting, getting married, it wouldn't have mattered it whether would, or not if, if you saw the bride. The, the best man right, saw the bride. would have saw the bride. Absolutely. So therefore, that line makes no sense. Right. Then, two, when he does, does get to the room where all the guys are, and he asks Joe Torrey, Yo, do you have the ring? And yes. Tori fakes like looking for the ring. Oh, it must be in the car. He's asking him because in your mind, Tori is the best man. Is the best man. Who holds the ring? Who holds the ring? Right. Who, by that point of the wedding, where the guys are there already in tux, right. you're coming in your tux, 
would already have right. the ring. So it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for the the groom right. to have had the ring at that point. The best man not seeing the bride doesn't make sense. Yes. I buy the ring thing because I'm assuming that that the groom would have had the ring until the ceremony started and mm. handed it to the best man. Mm. And, you know, dude was running late. So, you know, but, you know. Okay. Maybe. I'll give you that one. Right. But the best man one doesn't. Right. The, right. But, but the best man seeing the bride, especially since from the way I saw it was like, even I'd say, oh, I don't want you. I don't want you to see me in my bridesmaid dress. Was Tisha Campbell in the wedding? No, because when you do see her, she right, has she's wearing a like a, a pantsuit or something, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, and right, right. Because it, one, it doesn't even make any. It doesn't make any sense that she wouldn't be in the wedding, right? Because uh, there were uh, at least five groomsmen were led to believe, right? So even if it was just you know Dina Howard. Adina Howard, uh, Adina, her girlfriend, wouldn't have at least her. It 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 was strange that she wasn't in the wedding, or at least she was wearing this weird kind of pants salmon suit. colored pantsuit at the reception. I don't th- I don't know if it was a pantsuit. I think it may have been a dress. Actually. Was it a dress? Was she had on like a jacket? She had a jacket on. It was a jacket because you know on. she's a little bit more you know reserved. She's reserved, right? That's maybe. We've probably spent more time talking about. <laughs> We just dissected that. Bruh. Like it was the last scene of The Sopranos. <laughs> no, because when my man goes in the bathroom and comes back and they're playing Journey and what Journey represents is that you can't stop believing until it's over. Yeah, we spent a lot of time just now mm-hmm. on on the beginning and end of Sprung. More time than Rusty's then on that script. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. And, and you know, looking at his his uh, IMDb, this is the last film he directed. Yeah. yeah. He did, you know, he's done a lot of television. Yeah, he would go, go on to do a lot of The Chappelle Show. Yeah, but but it's it, it's a shame because, like I said, I'm, I maintain I am a fan of his work so that I think this is a misfire. Yeah, I mean, if two and, out of three you, yeah, you like. You and, and it's a shame that it was such a misfire that I think it may have put a halt to his yeah. film career. And his acting career. Yeah, well, the acting so much isn't the great loss as far as I'm concerned. True. Very. But, but I, I very you know, I, I do like Fear of a Black Hat. Mm-hmm. And I do like Tales from the Hood. You know, we've talked about. Tisha Campbell, we've gone on and on yeah, about yeah, yeah. our love for Tisha Campbell. I love myself for Tisha Campbell. We don't understand. We're mystif- uh, mystified by the appeal of Joe Torre. Um, I think the 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 best I've ever. He's seen. very muscly. I mean, well, I I will say that you know at least you know he's sexualized. In I was movie. about to say I did put, as much as the women. I I did put that he is objectified as much as yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll give that to the film. Um, Rusty knew knew better than you know. He kept his shirt on most of the time. Right. Um, I do have to say, like you you said that you like Paula J. Parker. I do. I there's something about Paula J. Parker. That's fair. It's it's it, it, it doesn't 
doesn't connect. I think she's an acquired. I, I think not even an acquired taste. I think she's a taste. Yeah, that, I think she's a taste. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm liking the, the taste, the flavor. I like her. I like her, and I, I mean, don't. Uh, I don't really have much more than I like her. I think she's screwball in 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 big. She is, but I don't. I even then, I don't like her big. Like okay. it, it doesn't. It, That's it, fair. It doesn't appeal. To you me. didn't like her in Friday. I mean, I think she's okay. Okay. I mean, but, you know, she's not asked to do a whole lot. Right. I mean, yeah. look, that's her speed. I like her voice on The Proud Family. And I, I, I was just about to say I really liked her throughout The Who Proud Family. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's about it. But I'm not going to fight but so hard about Paula J. Parker. I like her, but I understand if if she's not everybody's cup of tea. There you go. So, so that's sprung. That is sprung. Yeah. That is Sprung. So would you recommend people see Sprung? I would not recommend Sprung. What? It's not one of these movies. Well, you know, I, I think there's recommending something, you know, oh, this is a good movie. Oh, this is on. Let's turn to this. Let's watch it. But then I do think that there are films that are anatomy lessons, mm. basically. Like, 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 I do think that there are films that are useful to watch to see what went wrong. Yeah, but if I remember, didn't you like Have Plenty? I think Have Plenty is a better movie than Sprung. I think Have Plenty holds together in totality better than Sprung. I think Have Plenty has more of a story than Sprung. Yeah, that's true. I think Have Plenty. I th- okay. I think Have Plenty is as good as it was going to get. Okay. Like, I don't think there is a parallel universe where there's a better version of Have Plenty. Okay. So what you get, what you see is With what you get. With those actors in it. With, right. I mean, the whole package. Right, right, right. right. I think sprung as a misfire. The implication is if you moved one or two things around, you would have gotten something different. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not it would be better is, is you, you know, that's, that's where the conversation I is. I got you. You, you know, and, and, and I think when I found out that this, there's a two month difference between this and Love Jones. I know. And it's like everything that Sprung gets wrong, mm-hmm. Love Jones gets right. Knocks it out the box. And even, I mean, it's it's actually, it's it's actually kind of eerie the similarities. Like mm-hmm. you know, they're both in very distinctive cities. You know, they both have these main characters who are kind of, you know, artists, like one of them is a photographer. Mm-hmm. You know, they both have love scenes around this photography. They both have have this structural. The, the structural um, element where the couple breaks up midway through the film, yeah, and they have this 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 period apart, but you know they both have have friends outside of their relationships. But again, everything that Sprung gets wrong, Love Jones gets right. So, you know, as an anatomy lesson, if if 
if you enjoy film, if, if you enjoy black film, if you enjoy the history of black film. So, you know, I think both of them are, are a reflection of what we said an hour ago or half hour ago, this sort of reaction mm-hmm. to all of the hood films. Yeah. You know, I think it could be instructive, but, but as, as a movie to watch, no, I don't recommend it. Yeah, I can't recommend Sprung either. So, with that, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we <laughs> tie a bow to this episode of the Me Show Mission. Right. Go look at Love Jones and Fear of a Black Hat. There you go. <laughs> um, before we announce what's happening next week, I invite you all to like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Me Show Mission. You can email us at mishomission at gmail.com. Misho is M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X after the great Oscar Misho. Um, mishomission at gmail.com. You can email us. Like and, um, also, like and follow our shows are, are available for your download streaming pleasure on mishomission.com as well as on iTunes where we thank you for giving us a five-star rating and a review. Absolutely. the show. Um, as well as on SoundCloud, where MC Picket Fence lets us know that he is enjoying each and every every episode. I see you out there, boy. Thank you, sir. Uh, as well as on uh, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and any place and every place that good podcast be. That's where you can find the Michelle Mission. It is also available in a in a edited form on. WPPM 106.5 FM People Powered Media Philly Cam Radio on Saturdays at 1 p.m. And you can spend your Monday mornings with me show on WKDU 91.7 FM at 9 a.m. every Monday morning. Next week here on the Me Show Mission, we will have a very special guest. It is the journalist slash DJ slash media personality Bobby Booker. All right. Will be here live in studio with us to review a film of her choice. She's still going through to try to nail down exactly which film she wants to review. All right. But she is. But it'll be a black one. Yes. Well, you'll be the judge of whether or not it's, <laughs> it's a black one. You know, uh, so that'll be next week here on the Me Show Mission. Um, just want to let you know that w- March is Women History Month, so all during March we're going to be bringing you some of the more prominent women here in Philadelphia uh, as we present their films that they want to uh, review. It's going to be a lot of fun. We actually last week sat down with award-winning journalist Denise James as well as her girlfriend, Dudnice and reviewed The Color Purple let me tell you that was a good time, surprises abound in this review <laughs> that's all I can say You, I, I can't wait till March I can't wait till you hear it It's alright, we've got to get out of here he's Vince I'm Len In parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again.
now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.